Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for, 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit, 20% off gifts to celebrate the season, and 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC, in stores and online, now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. Welcome to Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Sponsored by Hope in Mission, LLC. To connect with the show, go to insungkim.org. That's I-N-S-E-O-N-G-K-I-M dot O-R-G. Or listen to Insung on oneplace.com. And now it's time for Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, Insung Kim. Hello, this is In Song Kim from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, during this holiday season, and I hope everyone is having a wonderful time and Christmas, and we have a special, special guest. Uh, Mike, Mike Noriega is here, and he's author of Uncollapsible Soul, How Do You Endure a Broken Heart Without Crushing Your Spirit? And thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, and so I'm truly honored. Yeah. So this book is about honor uh, your grandmother and the victim who passed away in the uh, Surfside condo uh, collapse 2021. Yeah, it it is. Um, And I think that's really where my writing starts, but there was 98 people that died when that building collapsed in the middle of the night two and a half years ago. And I just realized going through the whole grief process, how much bigger that it really is than the pain that my family and I uh, were going through and have been going through. And Mm -hmm. so the book really is to um, bring hope through heartbreak, regardless of what situation that somebody is going through Uh, It's also meant to honor the 98 people that passed away, the most important one being to me, my grandmother, and also to honor, you know, our first responders that I really watched them risk their lives. So Mm -hmm. uh, the book kind of reads a little bit like like an action movie almost. Oh, wow. So just share with us, we, a lot of people read, um, you know, media, news on them, probably mostly in online these days, and we heard about it. Would you share a little bit more in detail what, uh, how you perceived it, what you experienced, and what was the story like at the time? Yeah, so <clears throat> I got one of those middle-of-the-night phone calls that you really hope to never receive, even in your worst nightmares. And my mother had called me and said, hey, your father just got a phone call and something happened to your grandmother's building, your dad popped out of bed and is on his way down there. And your brother is on his way to pick me up and then we're coming to pick you up to go to Surfside. To which I responded, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? It's, it's 1.30 in the morning. And she couldn't give me more information than that. So I called the Surfside Police Department 
Because I'm thinking, you know, something happened in my grandmother's building. Maybe there was a, a small fire or smoke in the building. And when I called the police department, they said that uh, we can't tell you what's happening, but you should definitely get down here. And that scared me. Hmm. And so uh, my father was there before any of us. And uh, what was even scarier is that while my brother, my mom, and I were driving to Surfside, my dad was on the phone, but he would not say anything. Hmm. He only uttered a couple times, the building is gone. The building is gone. And so um, Surfside, <clears throat> specifically uh, my grandmother's building, was on 88th Street in Collins. And 88th Street is the street that separates the city of Miami Beach from the town of Surfside. And <clears throat> we parked on the Miami Beach side, and it was a partial collapse. So it's important that you know that because it was about a third of the building that just melted, uh, it seems like. And when we were walking up, you could see from that angle that it looked like it appeared that the entire building was there. So I was actually relieved when we parked. And so as we walked through this sea of first responder lights and vehicles, uh, we walked from the south side of the building to the north side of the building, which was the part that had collapsed and um we we now know that the first six stories of the building were actually collapsed into the parking garage so what you can actually see from the pictures and video is only the top half of what was the building and my grandmother's building uh, i'm sorry her apartment was on the sixth floor so it was right there in the middle and the first thing i saw was my grandmother's balcony and her balcony furniture that we had sat on endlessly over the past couple decades. And I just fell to my knees and was overcome with shock. Uh, I just cried out to God in that moment because it really felt like if you've ever had a dream that was so vivid, it felt so real that when you woke up, you had to convince yourself that it was just a dream it was a moment just like that where I was trying to convince myself that it was a dream, that there was no way my grandmother could be underneath this. Mm. And I started to rationalize. I started the denial phase of grief where I started to rationalize, there's no way this happened. They must have planned a demolition, and my grandmother, you know, she was 92 years old. Maybe she forgot to tell us, and she's somewhere else. Uh, I, just all these thoughts started to swell up inside of me. And... Mm. It's in moments like that that you realize that there are some situations or many situations in life in, no, in which no person, no man can come and save you, that it's only God that you can call out to that when you cry out to him as your first response, that mm -hmm. that is who you want as your first responder. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of my experience leading up to that devastating moment. Wow. So um, after the incident, what was your what was your response? I mean, um, probably mostly shock, right? Yes, it it, it was shock, mm -hmm. um, and it was denial, and uh, it, it was 
it really took a couple hours for the emotions to set in mm. and start to for me to start to gravitate towards acceptance that this wasn't a dream I was going to wake up from. And so <clears throat> uh, the longer we were there, the more chaotic the scene became. And there was a building right next door that uh, I just had to get away from everything and tuck myself away at the entrance. And my, I, I just, it felt like, it really felt like I was in hell. So I felt as if I needed to bring just God's presence, a piece of heaven down into my reality. And so I popped in my AirPods and I started listening to uh, a worship song by my church, uh, Vu Worship, and the song is called Shelter In. Mm -hmm. And the song is really about uh, the promises of Psalm 91, how God is our refuge and our strength, and that, you know, a thousand may fall to my left and 10,000 more to my right, but He's ultimately the one that rescues us and shelters us in. Mm -hmm. And I I had this revelation in that moment that the very thing that sheltered my grandmother in, that she trusted to take care of her was the very thing that most likely killed her. And it was such a picture in that moment of what it looks like when we put our hope and our faith and trust in anything in this world. It's just never going to last, and it will eventually collapse and fail us. Hmm. And so as I kept listening to the song and letting the promises of Psalm 91 just wash over my soul. It was as if the Holy, or no, it was the Holy Spirit that started to speak to me. Mm. And I just started to get this overwhelming peace Mm. because what the Holy Spirit started to speak to me was your grandmother loved me with all of her heart. If she is alive underneath that rubble, it'll be the miracle of the ages and I'll get the glory for her story because it's me sustaining her. But if her body is underneath that rubble, but her soul is not, it's because her soul is in my presence in heaven. Mm. Either way, she's in my presence. Do you trust me with either outcome? And that became really my battle cry that my family and I knew that the media was going to talk about this, whether or not we wanted them to. Mm -hmm. And so it was not their story to tell. It was our story to tell. And so my father who I had never seen uh, cry publicly, he was just, he had the composure of melted ice cream. He just didn't have the the strength mm. or the, he didn't have anything inside of him that was able to carry any weight. So he gave me the honor of my life and he said, look, will you represent the inquiries that I'm getting through my police department because he's a local police chief? Uh, will you represent our family? And most importantly, will you represent your grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. And I started to share what the Holy Spirit shared with me uh, just on every news channel that you could think of. And she later became the 12th person found on day number six. Mm. Oh, wow. So actually, they found the body. They did. They did. And the significance of when they found her body is oh. one of the reasons that uh, that our, our news story specifically started to go viral is because mm. 
my so when that building collapsed, it was about 14 million pounds of rubble that just collapsed within a matter of six or seven seconds. And so the the sheer velocity of that collapse caused a lot of the contents from within the building to be blown around the perimeter of it. And so uh, on on the street, on Collins Avenue, there was just all kinds of personal belongings that were everywhere. Uh, there was ties, bills, letters, pictures, uh, clothing. And my father, before we even realized that, my father was walking on the street and you really couldn't see uh, those belongings at first because uh, the dust from the collapse covered the street almost like it was uh, ash. And so my father stepped on something and picked it up. And it was a picture of him as a baby with his parents, my grandmother and my grandfather. And it was so surreal. And it was in that moment that we realized, oh, my gosh, what else can we find? And we started looking. And we found a, a second picture of my grandparents. And uh, we also found a, uh, uh, almost like a certificate from her church that said, God bless this house, which almost seemed like a sick cosmic joke when we first found that. Mm. Um, and I read about that in my book. But the, the most significant finding that we actually found was a, a birthday card. Mm. And... Um, to correct myself, the first thing that my father stepped on was this birthday card. Mm. And when he picked it up, it, it, it said his mother's name on there, Hilda, and there was butterflies drawn on it. And we, when he opened it up, it was a birthday card given to her by her prayer group just two weeks prior. And the significance of that is mm. I was talking on the news about how my grandmother lived for her faith her family, and her friends in that order. And so six days later, when the homicide detectives gave us the news that they had found my grandmother's body, there was about 10 or 15 minutes of of just weeping from my family and, and the acceptance that she was gone forever and that we had that closure. But once we calmed down, the homicide detectives addressed my father and they said, we want you to know that when we found your mother's body, that we found these clenched in her fists. And they handed my father a brown paper bag. Mm. And it became almost like this holy moment. Uh, my, my brother, who again, he's, he's a law enforcement officer. He happened to have gloves on him. He put them on almost as if we were opening up an ancient archeological find. And when he took the contents out of the bag, they were uh, rosaries. There were about six rosaries uh, that my grandmother would use to pray. Now, for me, uh, I, don't, I personally don't use rosaries to pray, mm-hmm. but the reason that that was such a significant moment is because what that meant is that my grandmother fell asleep in prayer and mm-hmm. woke up in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it also was such a merciful act of God to give us these gifts. Because remember, when somebody passes away, you normally get to keep their belongings. We got to keep nothing. But the only things 
that we found were were divine gifts from God because the birthday card symbolized her friendships. The picture symbolized her family. And in the moment that we got the closure of, of her passing, the homicide detectives gave us those rosaries symbolizing her faith. Everything that my grandmother lived for, her faith, her family, and friends, were sealed in that moment. And I knew in that moment that that she was in the presence of God. I had an overwhelming peace in a moment that I should have had an overwhelming grief. Mm. And, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, is by Mark Batterson in a book called Chase the Lion. And he says that, an inheritance is what you leave behind for someone, but a legacy is what you leave behind in someone. And mm-hmm. my grandmother, I called her Kima. She was the matriarch of our family, mm-hmm. but she was the matriarch of our family because have you ever met somebody that's so positive that they almost make you negative, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that they're just so full of joy? <clears throat> and that was my grandmother where she would just smother everybody with love. But the reason that she would do that is because the source of her love didn't come from herself. It came from the very heart of God. Mm-hmm. And her well of love never ran dry because it came from this endless supply. And so I knew that what remained of my grandmother was her legacy of God's love that she had instilled in me. And so that lit a fire within my soul of, okay, well, if a, if a legacy is what you leave behind in someone, what did she leave in me? And that's been my mission, is to carry her legacy forward. I had an interviewer at that time tell me a profound thought. And they said, you know, if your grandmother had died, a little old lady in, in, in her home, you know, passed away in her sleep or passed away in the hospital the way you probably imagined it, that your grandmother would not be impacting the lives that she's impacting right now even in her death. And so very quickly, I started to find purpose uh, in the pain. And that's really why we're on this, on this call right now. Mm. Wow, that's so powerful. And uh, how old, can I ask how old you were at the time? So I was 36 at the time. Mm. Yeah, it's very difficult, and um, there are many families going through this grieving process, especially on holiday comes, and it's yeah. very, it become very difficult. And uh, some people uh, cannot even um, go to the place actually can grieve. And so, yeah. and thank you for sharing with us vulnerably with your experience. Um, it must be very difficult to even describe of the incidents that how uh, it went, right? Yeah. Um, writing my book was extremely difficult because um, as I went through my healing process, um, the body of my book has uh, five very clear steps 
that I use for healing that I wanted to share, but each step towards healing uh-huh. is actually attached to a story of someone that either survived or passed away in the Surfside collapse. Mm. And as I started develop, to develop very close relationships with these families, uh-huh. because I never went to the Family Reunification Center, uh-huh. uh, I, given that my father's a, a, a first responder and a political figure, I was actually with the first responders uh, on Collins Avenue the entire time, so I never met any of the other family members. Uh, it wasn't until later that I got added to a WhatsApp chat that I just started to see just the gravity of pain that there that there was, how much bigger mm-hmm. my pain was than what I was going through. And there's people that lost their entire families. I mean, my grandmother lived her whole life, essentially, mm-hmm. and... You know, she passed away at 92 years old. She was the oldest one in the building. Yeah. You know, I have a friend, uh, Raquel Oliveira, that she flew out to visit her mom and sister in Colorado the day before the collapse, and she lost her five-year-old son and her husband. Um, you know, I write about Angel, I'm having a brain fart right now, uh, Angelica and... And Devin Gonzalez, that they were two of the three people that fell in the collapse and survived, mother and daughter. But Devin lost her dad, which was um, Angela's uh, husband. And, you know, to see how much loss that they've gone through, it was so heavy as I was writing about it. It was like reliving it through different perspectives. So as we get into this time of year, it's so hard because... When you lose a loved one, yeah. you know, I don't want anybody to make the mistake that this book is about the Surfside Collapse. Okay. I just kind of use that as a catalyst uh-huh. to reach each person's heart because at the end of the day, we all go through loss in one of four forms. Yeah. It's either through a burial, a betrayal, a breakup, or a bodily breakdown. Mm-hmm. And when you go through loss in one of those four forms, you know, we all go through situations, but we all go through the same feelings that require the same healing. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement to everybody, the main reason I wrote the book is so that you can find hope through heartbreak and also find healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes what happens is as as Christians, for any of us that are, are believers, uh, I think the worst thing that we could ever do for someone that's going through pain and loss and grief is to give cheap cliches of, well, heaven gained an angel or they're Mm -hmm. in a better place because it doesn't empathize or even sympathize Mm -hmm. with the the person that you're talking to. And so it's so, so important that we face our pain because the truth is, is that if we don't face our pain, that our pain will eventually face us. There's this lie from culture that says that uh, all things heal with time, and that's just not true. Maybe all things get buried with time, but eventually your your grief process, if you don't deal with it, it will end in bitterness. Because what happens is what I want every single person under the sound of my voice to know yeah. is that passion, mm-hmm. how do you know if you're passionate about something? Yeah. You're willing to suffer for it. Yeah. Why did Jesus dying on the cross? Why was that called the passion of the Christ? 
because he was willing to suffer for us. We are his passion. Mm -hmm. And so when we go through things in life that break our hearts, what everybody needs to understand is that passion is neutral. Mm -hmm. You can be passionately hateful, and that's called resentment. Mm -hmm. But you can also be passionate about healing, which leads to restoration. Mm -hmm. And so in my book, uh, I use scripture, but I use I also have very specific steps within it that mm -hmm. teaches you if you're going through a season of suffering, very practical handles of how to go through healing. Yeah. But what the book also does that's so, so important mm -hmm. is ultimately the reason I wrote the book is Psalm thirty four eighteen. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. Why does he want to be near to your broken heart? He doesn't want to rescue you from it, but he wants to rescue you from being crushed in spirit yeah. because they're different. Yeah. Broken heart is grief, uh -huh. but a crushed spirit is losing your faith, hope, and your purpose. Yeah. And so God's very presence near to, the, to your broken heart is exactly the very thing that heals you. Why? Because he suffered first. And so we worship the God of empathy, not of sympathy, that he feels everything that we feel and we can fully trust him with our pain. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for sharing. We're going to continue our program uh, with Mike Noriega. And next week, thank you for listening. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thank you. The Rogers and Holland's Never On Sale sale is here. Save on everything site-wide, even brands that never go on sale. One of the largest family-owned jewelers, Rogers and Holland's secret superpower is combining unique custom abilities of independent jewelers with the buying strength of a large jeweler offering shopper selection, customization, and quality at a great price. With free shipping, a 60-day return policy, and an online concierge service, shop with confidence. Go to rogersandhollands.com. Some exclusions apply. See website for details. 